Hello, my friends. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hello. Um, this is part two to Mitchell and I's story about alcohol. Uh, if you miss part one, you'll probably be fine. I mean, I think that part one is really powerful because your story is so powerful about alcohol and, and uh, you know, there's there's brokenness and growth and redemption of the Lord in there and, and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, okay. There's also my story in part two. That's about it. No, uh, no, we, we, we talk about it. It intersects with Caleb's story, which makes listening to part one valuable. Yeah. Um, but in any case, whether you listen to the whole thing or just a couple minutes, whatever, I hope that it's edifying to you and Absolutely. I hope that you enjoy the episode and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's get it going. Here we go. So in my family upbringing, uh, as a as a kid, like just alcohol was not a thing in my family. Like I just, it wasn't really part of how we did things. I would, you know, ask about like, mom, you know, how does what is beer? What you know, whatever. And my mom, I'm, I never know for sure, but I'm pretty sure from what she's told me that she was a little wild in high school and stuff. That she had maybe played around with it a little bit, but. Maybe, I don't know, whatever, that she didn't want to be in that type of space, even as an adult and now a mother of two children. And my dad, knowing what I know now about him, that I'm pretty sure he just went with it to kind of, you know, have support in their marriage. And so alcohol is just not a thing in my family. And it wasn't a sin, but there's this passage, I forget where, but there's this passage about if something, even if it's not prescribed as a sin, but it's a stumbling block for someone's faith, that and they feel convicted about that, then they should stay away from it. So that was kind of the the paradigm for alcohol for me as a kid. And I just never really got into it at all. And so throughout high school, I mean, I, I was homeschooled and then I, you know, was doing stuff at church, but I never really had opportunity or desire to really get involved with any sort of party scene at all. Um, and then, oh yeah. Uh, so in, in college, freshman year, didn't drink at all, I don't think, um, and interacted with a couple people um, that that were drunk in those situations, and it was a really unsavory situation for me to see them like that, so I was like, yeah, bro, not, not going to do it. And then sophomore year, which was kind of when the alcohol started happening for both of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, well, there was a lot actually. So the summer after freshman year, I went to a uh, social gathering with a bunch of friends and uh, we all just kind of hung out and got drunk and it was a good time. It, it was a good time. Yeah, it was um, a good time. And, you know, so that was like, oh, okay, cool. Alcohol is not a big deal. And then there was a night where you, me, Karen Farhad got pretty drunk Um you know, these are all things that, that happened in our, in our time. And so that's like my exhibit a for what it's like being around you after a night of drinking is because I woke up groggy, a little thick in the head as you do. And, and I was like, all right, cool. We're making food. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you were like, like, it was so much hate for yourself that it came off like hate for others in the room too. And so I was like, are you mad at me? Mm. You're like, no, Mitchell, I'm not mad at you. And like slammed your door. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Uh, 
are you sure about that? Because <laughs> this, uh, yeah. So that was that reality. And then after my sophomore year, that summer afterwards, after that year, I went to a internship kind of a little, little trip to Oshkosh mm-hmm. where the joke is we work hard and we play hard. We put in like 10 hour days doing broadcasting stuff for the, one of the biggest air shows in the world. And then at the campsite at night, there's we're sitting around a fire and alcohol is at play and it, it was a good time it was a lot of just sipping beers and whatever but every once in a while when you didn't have a big day the next day you would go a little harder and there were times where it was just like a lot of shame because like i, I went i lost track of where i was at and got into it and then like was passing out in my chair and like couldn't hold my head up straight and i look at my friend chris next to me and i'm like hey chris i need to get to my tent and i also don't think i can stand will you help me? And he was like, yeah, do you, do you want me to? And I was like, yes, please. So he did. And it was him and another person. I think, yeah, I can't remember, but it was two people were carrying me like, like a wounded soldier. Like I got my leg shot (laughs) off. Like I just couldn't stand. Yeah. And so I kind of, we mosey over to my tent and I fall onto my air mattress and I look up as Chris is, uh, you know, zipping the door shut. And I'm like, Chris, I'm, I'm sorry. He's like, Hey man, there's no shame from me. And probably none from anybody else here. Mm-hmm. So you're already in this state. Just ride the wave. Go to sleep. I was like, all right, fair enough. So, yeah, that was just kind of how it was. And I would get beers from people periodically and whatever, but never really got stupid drunk until I turned 21. Mm. Um, I mean, I would get drunk probably every few months, really. And then after I turned 21, I had your classic 21st birthday week. My birthday was on a Friday. So that's right. My birthday was on Friday night and my birthday was also on Saturday night. And so I went downtown and did the whole bar thing, which is kind of wild to think about now during Rona time. But yeah, but yeah, like shoulder to shoulder with people pushing through packed bars, you know, shaking hands with hockey players and like just kind of being in it. And being that's crazy to think about. Obscenely drunk. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so for my 21st, my brother came up and uh, DD'd for me. He was like 19. So he, he, he told me he just played Smash with you like the whole night. That is what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> and then me and Kira Farhad and a bunch of other people were downtown. And then Alex came to get me. And so we all, Alex was driving my car and we're driving home. And I'm being super like proud and excited of that I made it to 21. <laughs> so I'm yelling out the window and I roll my window down partially enough to stick my head out and I'm yelling, I'm 21. Let's go. Whatever. It's, it's funny, but it's also just so cringy. Like it just is embarrassing. And, um, while I was in the bathroom, actually, I was like, I kind of want to share some stories, but then I thought of like all my stories. Oh man. I even remembered like two more in there that I hadn't thought about for a long time. I don't, I don't think you want to talk about it. Okay. It's not, it's not worth it. Um, but this is a little funny, so I'll finish this story now that I'm here. I wrote, I, I'm yelling out the window, and we go over a bump in the road, and I smack my tooth down on the top of the window pane. Oh, and just chip no. it. Yeah. So there's a video where I'm like, I'm 21. I don't know. And then, is it on video? Yeah. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, it, it, Kira has it somewhere. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm 21. Ooh. And then I turn around and I go, Kira, I dead ass chipped my tooth. <laughs> and she's like, no, you didn't. You're just silly and drunk. Ha, 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 ha. And I was like, no, nah, for real. And I wake up the next morning and I come out to the living room where they're, where they're chilling. And they go like, hey, buddy, how you feeling? How you doing? And I'm like, I told you I chipped my tooth. My tooth is chipped. See? And it is. 
Oh my. Right there. Never noticed. Yeah. It's not a big deal. But anyway, um, I, I turned 21. I had, <laughs> I had access to, to alcohol now legally. And so I was like, all right, cool. Let her buck. Frick it. I'm going <laughs> to let her rip. And, and so I was, a lot of my money was going into alcohol and I was trying out different things and didn't know if I, because there's a lot of like, with my four wing, that's a thing. There's a lot of ambiguity and like, what type of drinker am I? And like, da, 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 mm-hmm. I want to be a cool, whatever. And so I had a bottle of rum that I hid in my room and would like, if I was hanging out with friends and I was just feeling like shit, I would go take a pull and then go back into the room. Um, and then one night I was just feeling pretty depresso to be clear, as I referenced this, both in the, I don't think I've said this before, but as I talk about the feeling and state of depression, yeah, it is, sure. it is a trait, it is self-diagnosed. Um, but so I'm, I'm using that word to describe the state. I have not been just, I've not been, uh, diagnosed with depression and I don't want to trivialize that. I think it rep- Something that Kara's therapist said, actually, that I really appreciated was like, even if something is, could be quote unquote called self-diagnosis, if you have a good word that describes a symptom set that you partially or fully experience, it's okay to use that word. That's good to hear. Yeah. So like ADHD, there are all these things that are listed. And let's say this hypothetical person experiences them on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. No matter the diagnosis, if I say that to someone and they have a category for it and it matches the symptoms that I'm having, it's a good word for a symptom set. I imagine for someone with that situation, that'd be probably pretty helpful for understanding how their mind works. Yeah. Probably. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Probably. Anyway, that's so I was having a a, I was in a depressive state and I was just kind of messing stuff up like all around like it was it was just a bad day at work and i was letting homework just pass me by like it didn't matter and i was kind of talking to this girl that was also a good friend of mine and so i was like playing with that i didn't know what i was doing and i was also just kind of like just really dissatisfied with everything i was like you know what let her buck i'm gonna go to px liquor st cloud i'm gonna buy Oh, PX. A six pack of Blue Moon White Orchard, which is still one of my favorite beers of all time. I love it. And uh, and I'm going to get this handle of disgusting caramel whiskey. Like, it was like drinking Old Werther's. It was just, it was, it was bad, dude. It was bad. And I was like, this is fine. And I drank like, I think more than half of it in like an hour. And then I got into a very heated argument slash conversation with that woman that I was talking to. Yeah. And then it just all went sideways. It was a really bad night. And I remember this night I wanted to die. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep. And if going like the next morning, I was not like, I'm never going to do that. Like it wasn't a huge turning point, Yeah, but it was one of the big things in the data set that is now like, that's why I don't do that that way. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's why I don't drink alone. Will I have a beer? If I'm the only one home at night and I'm eating dinner or, or I just like, I'll, I'll, I'll sip on something while I'm playing video games with Alex or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just a beverage, but I'm not going to drink alone. So that was a big lesson for me with that. Um, and 
So in junior year, this was actually before I was 21, but it's a lesson and a thing that's kind of just part of my life is that beer really can be a beverage and I enjoy alcohol as a beverage. It's, it's a, it's a good thing. And then one of the big things that really like helped me not feel like a giant sack of shit whenever I drank was I went home and I was at my parents' house. Mm. This is for reference. This is now my dad and my, technically my stepmother. Um, and shout out Rebecca, shout out Rebecca. Um, and they, uh, so I got there, we were there for Easter and I was 21. And so we, we had, and we still do make jokes about how like, yeah, I was drinking water with some friends and did some stupid stuff. And so like <laughs> they laugh about it. I've never told them with the words I got drunk, but you know, we, we play little spades with that. Yeah. And well, anyway, we're sitting there for Easter and my dad is like, do you want a beer? <laughs> and I was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> what have you done with my dad, dude? And and I was like, uh, sure, sure. And then I asked him about it, I think the next morning. I was like, so what's up with that? He's like, well, it was just never part of our life when you were a kid. Just wasn't a thing. And that's fine. And now, like, part of our, this family dynamic, as you guys have all, you know, kind of left the nest and it's just been me and Rebecca, is alcohol's okay. So, like, we'll have a beer. And, like, there's another night or there's another day I was down there and um, we had – dinner after church and we had like whatever food was mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. beck was like you want a mudslide and she just <laughs> she just made mudslides and it wasn't like oh yeah give me another round of the it was just like here's the a Here it is. dessert slash beverage with the meal so to see my parents being like yeah alcohol is cool like it's just a thing now is like wow all right that's crazy tight so that's kind of how it is now like yesterday this is actually kind of what started this conversation yesterday i i found a little extra cash in my wallet mm-hmm. and we went to quick trip by our house, which is just an absolute goat for selling beer <laughs> until 2am. <laughs> and, uh, we, we go in and I buy some of my things and I'm like, I'm trying to buy some beer. And I got a 15 pack of Milwaukee's best, which is a misleading title. <laughs> and for a, a cheap amount of money. And we sat down and we're drinking it. And as we're having this conversation, I'm literally just sipping on a beer as we talk about this concept. Yeah. And it was a cool full circle, full circle moment for me yesterday because I was like, wow, I don't really want to get drunk. I have gotten drunk in the semi-recent past, not super recent because right, of, right. you know, my current employment situation and general state of my faith. But like, I will drink a beer with friends. I'll, I'll drink alcohol with friends that are drinking it more than me. Like it's not, a thing I'm staying away from, mm-hmm. but I just, I, I, one other story is I, after finals, I really wanted to impress my good friend, uh, that I was there with Like I hadn't seen him in a while and I kind of forgot how to be around him. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go hard, bro. It's going to be crazy. About 45 minutes later, I broke the liquor before beer rule mm. and I was just puking and having a panic attack in his bathroom and good it was just bad (laughs) so like all these lessons all these kind of horror stories of me being drunk all kind of combined to like i just don't want to be there for like selfish human reasons i don't want to be dry heaving in a bathroom i'd rather just hang out with my friends and sip a little something that's fine so that's kind of where i'm at with beer um we were talking yesterday about like how humans and how children of god can at least can be or have how their relationship with alcohol can be. Yes. For for certain things, I mentioned this while you were in the bathroom, but mm-hmm. like there's this whole stumbling block reality. Yeah. So for you, alcohol is more of a stumbling block than it is for me Absolutely. with faith. And um, oh no, I completely my thought just evaporated. 
that's really unfortunate. Um, Fooey. That's that sucks. Well, I mean, I can go. I'm trying to find the scriptural reference for this. Oh, I got it. Okay, yeah, so go for it. I I was doing some research for a paper, and I was uh, watched some content by the Bible Project about how the law uh, interacts with our current Christian reality, mm-hmm. and how the law was God describing and prescribing for the people of Israel what how they should pursue the relationship with Him. And that's why Jesus says he he fulfills the law because his life models what the law was pointing to as the perfect relationship with God. No human could pull that off, but because Jesus was both God and man, he was able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. So that's the law, right? <clears throat> now, people are like, if, if people hand down consuming alcohol at all as non-biblical, they're wrong. Right. But if they're talking about so drunkenness is the sin. Drinking is not the sin. Correct. Jesus drank wine. Jesus actually created alcohol as one of his miracles on earth. <laughs> that was one of the biggest ones. Maybe the first. It was the first. Yeah. yeah. He he literally was like, oh, y'all need, y'all need wine? Bet. Bet. Woo. See all that ceremonial water? I'm going to turn it into wine. Goodness. Good. Um, yeah. And, uh, and well, he made any, like, this was just, it's a cultural thing too, but like Jesus drank wine. Jesus did. lived in a reality of alcohol to a degree, but in a sinless state of alcohol because, you know, he's Jesus. Yes. So all this to say that the law points to Jesus and Jesus also like consumed alcohol and stuff. So alcohol can be healthy or you can have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Yeah. But just like with alcohol or exercise or eating or uh, a ton of other things that are allowed there are, if you if it becomes about the thing, then you're probably not doing it right. And so like Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Now it's my turn to go to the bathroom. Oh really? <laughs> so to speak on that a little bit and to jump back in with my story, when it was Mitchell's birthday week and that was the first time I drank in it was almost a full year that I was no alcohol whatsoever. I uh swore off alcohol after that time with my friends from high school and I kept to that. I remember being put in quite a few situations where I was tempted to drink and it came to the point very quickly. Like if there may be alcohol there or their quote, or there like is like didactically going to be alcohol, I'm not going to be there. That is my conviction. And there was a strong conviction and I kept to that conviction from like May until March. It was, yeah, it felt a lot longer. (laughs) But I remember like one of the first conversations that I had coming into our apartment junior year was me, Mitchell Farthat, and our other friend, Matt. All of them drank more or less. And I was like, I don't want to be in a position where I can be tempted. So I'm going to have a hard faith-filled conversation with my roommates. Hey, is it possible we don't have alcohol in the fridge at all? For me, it's an addiction. If it's going to be there, I'm a tweak. (laughs) I'm going to probably, without a lot of self-control, go in there and take it. And I remember actually at the end of Mitchell and I's sophomore year, we were moving out of our old apartment. We're sleeping on the the floor because our beds were moved and stuff. And Mitchell was asking me, like, if 
alcohol is in the fridge. Like, why can't you just say no to it? And I'm like, dude, it's, it's an addiction. Like if it's there, I don't have the self-control to just say no. <laughs> I still have a hard time with the concept actually. Yeah. Like 5% because like for me, I just am a very headstrong, decisive person for mm-hmm, better or worse. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, just don't. Yeah. And I mean, I get, it. I, I have been blessed with enough empathy to be with you in it. Yeah. But also in my more human condition, I'm like, dude, just don't. Right. Anyway, so that, that was a hard conversation coming into our next apartment. Like, Hey, can there not be alcohol in the fridge at all? There actually, we came to a compromise where there was a single drawer mm-hmm. that like, I just don't get to open, but that's where people, that's where put the their alcohol, alcohol is. And then you could refrigerate it and then you could do what you wanted to do with yeah. the fridge and alcohol, but also like the store of alcohol would be kept like in our rooms or something. Yeah. And praise the Lord. And thank you guys for that. I still appreciate that. Yeah. It's kind of funny <clears> now because that drawer doesn't do or alcohol now. Yeah, no, the alcohol is just in the it's fridge. In the fridge <laughs> we're all we're all 21 now. It's it's a different story. And we've all developed. I mean, yeah, we've grown. You literally bought beer like the other day. Oh, dude, it was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny for me cuz like I've done that a 100 times. So right. like it's like I'm just going to go pick up beer. Yeah. And then you're like I'm going to go buy beer. And I was like, oh, "Okay. <laughs> you're w- yeah." <laughs> and so yeah, sorry. coming into my new apartment, I was like, "If there is going to be alcohol there or there might be, I'm not going, I'm not going to be there. And I had that conviction. I remember coming to a conference and I attended a seminar about core beliefs, like tier one core beliefs, and then like tier two convictions and then tier three preference type of beliefs. I believe he called it something triage, like theological triage. I don't know, whatever. Sounds about right. I've, uh, I don't even know the name, but like, just I call it like the spheres. Mm, it's like mm. these, like I always picture like this kind of target type of diagram. Yeah, core conviction preference. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about this verse in Romans, where Paul's saying like, "Hey, if Jaboy <clears throat> previously had a lot of experience eating food from idols, and now he's a believer and he feels convicted about eating." meat offered to idols, then don't eat meat in his presence if you're going to be a stumbling block. Yeah. Like, and then he, Paul actually extrapolates on this in First Corinthians. Not all believers know this, referring to the fact that we have one God, the idols are not real gods. Some are accustomed to thinking as idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated. This is NLT. What book is this again? Where is uh, this? First Corinthians 8, 7. Tight. Onward. Onward. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. We don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. Yeah. For if others see you with your quote-unquote superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? Mm. So because of your superior conscience... A weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And this is verse 12. And when you sin against other believers, <clears throat> and when you sin against other believers by encouraging to encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ. And that's where that concept comes from. Damn. Yeah. Now, like, so there was a, a stretch there. Cause I think like from the point of, Hey guys, can there not be alcohol in the fridge to now mm-hmm. has been kind of a gradient as like 
we did we went a couple extra measures to help with that and yeah. then, but it also being there i think helped accustom you to it and develop willpower in that area yes so it did so like where now i'm not really worried i haven't even really thought about it until we talked about it yesterday and um to to, to just put this point where where it was going to be oh sorry yeah you're fine this man was reading the scripture yeah and i'm like i'm a weaker conscience (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm weak small (laughs) and he was like god loves you christ died for you and you have that weaker conviction also he wants you to have the stronger theological position. Yeah. He wants your life to resemble Christ and be redeemed. Christ drank. He just said it like that. I'm like, yeah. <gasps> <laughs> he's like, Christ ate meat. Like he was sinless and did these things. And if you feel that conviction, it's good to feel that. And God loves you and he wants to meet you there. Yeah. And he loves you too much to let you stay there. Yeah. And so henceforth, coming into the new year, I began the journey of changing, not changing my conviction, but refining it. Like, if there's a place that's going to be alcohol, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to drink until, until the Lord has redeemed it in my heart. Right. And that didn't happen. Even when it was your 21st birthday yeah. and I had a beer a night, which I thought was like, oh, this is fine now. It wasn't. It really wasn't. Yeah. I was super tempted. Yeah. And it was very hard to do that. Um, not until my friend Kyle got married and we were going to a, a brewery, Kara and I, mm. to celebrate with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to a brewery? <laughs> Literally a source of alcohol. <laughs> I'm like, is this okay? But Kara was there with me. Right. And that was extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. We had a single drink. Both of us sipped from it by the end of the night. Yeah. It, the end of the night, it was halfway gone. Right. And we're like, that's okay. Yeah. She has a much better relationship with alcohol than I do. Mm-hmm. And like, that was really, that's where you're talking. I want to jump back to your point of like having this gradient. Like that was where the growth started and yeah. happened, continued yeah. to the point where I feel comfortable without the desire to go and drink myself silly, to go on a beer run. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Literally a year later. But right. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, growth happens when growth happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so like earlier on in the process, I would want, like we bought, <laughs> uh, I say a lot, this is not to refer to drunkenness. This is just raw amount of product that was moved. We, we bought <laughs> a lot of PBR and we bought a lot of blue moon. That was, those are the two beers that happened. Grain belt was a part of it. Welcome back to the beer podcast. I love Grain uh, Belt. <laughs> ever since one of the people I was, I was at a, a one of these drunkenness parties, but uh, this one girl that we were there with said, uh, "Grain Belt tastes like a burnt hamburger," and now I just can't can't drink it. It's ruined for me. I still love it. Thanks, Jaden. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we were drink we were buying a lot of beer. It was just a thing, and so I was like, "Okay, cool. We just I'm I'm making some college din- some mac and cheese, some ramen, and we're about to do what junior year was a common practice was like family." watch stuff night. Yeah, it was yeah. a movie or it was a bunch of YouTube videos or a show or whatever. And it was always like I would walk in and I would be I'd like have a beer in my hand and I'd be like, Is it cool if I drink around you? Is that okay? And you're like, Yeah, for sure. I was like, all right, cool. And then the more it happened, I think one time I didn't even think to ask and maybe I should have, but I just kinda went for it. And I was like, oh, Are you good? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, uh yeah. I'm good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
tight. Tight. And then I'm like, I get a beer, and you'd be like, the, the, I remember the first time you did it. I don't remember all the circumstances, but I remember you walked up as I was like putting stuff in the fridge, and you're like, "Is it okay if I have one beer?" And I'm like, "Is it okay if you have one beer?" And you're like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Yeah." And we had one beer, and I was like, "Hey, man, I was gonna have like maybe two. I don't know, but I'm gonna stick with you in one beer territory for the night, and yeah. we're just, we're just gonna we're gonna set the boundary here, and I will be." training wheels slash brother sharpening iron all that yeah tonight and that was a good night because like it was so much that night was so much fun i don't remember what we did but i remember it was a fun night yeah and we each had one, one beer, beer. <laughs> it was a good time still do that actually yeah i still only have one beer one beer in a day or two days yeah and i i like to keep it that way oh the dude the moment that there are two moments that really blew my mind with how actually healthy my relationship with alcohol is now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how how comfortable i am with it that i'm not even worried about like what people would think uh one we were at a crew event or a crew after after crew kind of event we all went mm-hmm. to applebee's yeah they're literally like i felt bad for the server because we're like uh maybe 15 and then people kept on trickling in and so we eventually had a table of like 30 and so all on mostly separate tickets so it was just yeah, it was hard it, i feel bad uh but it was a really good night and i was there with a the guy who i just was kind of just charmed by as a friend like i was just like i love you i want to know john 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 good guy um and he's he's i also love john just so we're all clear for the record (laughs) i hate it no uh so no john he he's a couple years older i mean he he's had a not quite as traditional american college uh, experience right but he's of age i'm of age we're at this crew event and i he he we're kind of looking at the menu and whatever. And we had our, we're doing like half price apps or whatever. So we were kind of in it, you know, in the middle stage of a dining event, whatever. And John kind of goes, I kind of want a beer. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, I'm at a crew thing. No, I'll wait. I'll do it later. And I was like, I, John, I kind of want a beer. And I wasn't going to get one. Cause I don't want to be the only guy at the table with the beer. And he's like, I'll want to rock it together. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> so we each got, a thing of blue moon and i remember cu- a couple looks like andrew peabody like looked down the table and was like <laughs> <laughs> and i i just kind of looked at him and i literally just like cheers him like i just held up my drink i was like what's up andrew <laughs> and he was like you leave the orange in there like he tried to pivot out but he was <laughs> it was so good but it was so fun because i was just sipping we we're just hanging out talking to people being in the moment and it was still godly community and i was drinking alcohol and it was ministry it's spelly with you that's true yeah yeah it's like hey, so, hey welcome come to along world, yeah, yeah yeah so it was, it was a good time um the other one oh no that's embarrassing i can't remember the second one. Oh, damn that's okay times where i was comfortable with alcohol i can think of one you yeah, go for it. Out with two stories. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> for me, um, it came when I was this is very recently. So I went and bought beer because I'm like, you know what? I just want beer. <gasps> I remember it. Can I jump in? I remember it. Okay. So this was the night of your beer run the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And we went over to the girls' place and sat in their yard. Oh, this was so fun. This was so much fun. Uh, I still get a small headache when I think about laying backwards at like a 15-degree angle down that hill. But anyway, we're, si- good. we're sitting on a blanket because we, we 
for this was my story anyway. Oh. So good. Sorry. No, I want to jump in. Jump in when you want. <laughs> uh, so we go on the beer run, and um, Cassie's really nice beer is called Grizzly Pear. Ooh, so good. So cute. Highly recommend. Um, and we're sitting there, and we're sitting on the blanket, and they live on the third story or fourth story, whatever. They live a few floors up, and they have a balcony. And so they're out on the balcony vibing with us because we don't feel very comfortable for COVID reasons being in their apartment. Yeah. And so we're sitting in the grass and and talking to them. And then their neighbors came out on their balcony. So it's just a whole, it's a whole moment. Yeah. And But we're just sipping on a beer. And then afterwards as we're kind of packing up to leave and I crush the can in classic college kid form. Um, one of the girls goes like, what is that? What, what drink is that? And I'm like, Oh, it's a beer. Yeah. We're drinking beer. And, and she was like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. This, this is just the thing. And they're like, oh, okay, tight. <laughs> so, it was, yeah. It was, it was so funny because like, I'm like, okay, I was going to go to the girl's house. I had a pragmatic reason and I wanted to see them. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, here's my plan to go to the girl's house. Two birds, one stone. I'm going to go on a beer run. <laughs> I'm going to get beer. Bang. I'm going to lie down on the grass, look up at their balcony, drink beer and just hang out. It was so revolutionary yeah, dude. in my mind and heart. Yeah. And then they didn't even know. That was that was the funny part. And, and at the end, nor did they care. No. Once they found out, they're like, all right. Tight. Yeah. And then we're just like, yep, that's what we were doing. See ya. Have a good night. <laughs> we left. And that night I was like, I have so many beers that I bought. We only drank two. Cool. And Put I'm away. I'm sure like most of them are still sitting in the fridge right now. Yes, they are. Lit. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my new renewed stance on alcohol is still the same. Right. If... There's going to be an environment where people exist with hard liquor and they're probably going to get drunk. I'm not going to be there. Even if as much as I would want to be there and see those people, if I know that that's going to happen, I'm going to bar myself from being there. Yeah. Unless there is someone who can help keep me accountable that goes with me. Yeah. And that could be Kara. That could be... Even someone like John, <laughs> yeah. who just, you know, he's older. One of mine for, for like helping me stay in moderation mm-hmm. without even really like being an official thing is our friend and uh, former youth leader, Scott. Oh, yeah. He, uh, my first day back in town, back in Rochester after my birthday, which was probably like a month later, um, he and I went to a bar in mm-hmm. Rochester mm-hmm. and got like a bunch of that. He's like, this is my birthday present for you. I'm like, you've never got me one. He's like, well, you never been 21. So this is just how <laughs> it is. And I, so we got a bunch of apps and then he was like, okay, we're going to get a flight and I'm going to take you on a tour through beer. Cause you don't know beer. And I'm like, you're right. He's like, so we're going to get uh, two flights of a bunch of different things. And then you get one like thing that you want. I'm like, okay. So what did I get? I got a blue moon. Easy, of course. Easy money. Easy. And then we got a flight of like light beers and dark beers and stuff. And we we're sitting there and I was like, what was your relationship with alcohol like? Yeah. And he was like, in college it was wild. <laughs> Absolutely dummy crazy wild. <laughs> and then I just graduated and grew up and became a husband and then subsequently a dad and yeah. then a dad two and three. Yeah. And so. A lot going on. There's a lot going on. But still like, like during the summer when I was living in town and working at KAL. Yeah. We would have nights after softball where I would, like, after the softball game, 
because I they just brought me on their church team, mm, and nice. so I, it was so Scott kind of got me into that. But so it was like my night with the Kings or whatever. Um, I would we'd finish the game, and I would go swing by Andy's or Apollo Liquor or all these <laughs> whatever, and I'd get a thing or whatever, and then go over to their house and just hang out. Yeah, and and drink a beer or two and talk and you know whatever, and listen to their kids come out and go, mommy. Mm. Bullshit reason I can't go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> then Scott and Katie would be like, go to bed. And I'd just like watch them parent. And then there's also just like anytime alcohol is in a situation in my life that never previously touched it, it's always like revolutionary. Yeah. And and like, yeah, just all these things. But like Scott's one of those people who's like, it's just a thing, bro. Yeah. It's just a thing. And even when you told me that story, like it's just a beverage like any other. Yeah. I'm almost there. Almost. Almost. Yeah. And Praise the Lord. It's such a such a transformation. For the record, for you, my brother, and for the audience, everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you've gotten from like, I can't touch it with a 10-foot pole to here in a year-ish's time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I, this could be the Holy Spirit. This could just be me. I don't know. But I want you to know that at least from my perspective, and I'm pretty sure this is truth, that it could take you like 40 years to get to where you're 100% at its beverage territory. Oh, yeah. And that's like 100% okay. Absolutely okay. It could also, you could be fine with it literally once we stop recording, also fine. Like the gradient for growth Mm -hmm. is not proportional necessarily, and it's got ups and downs. It's all that. That's this case with anything. But so to a listener who this may be edifying for, and to you, grow at the pace that God takes you and let her buck. <laughs> let her buck. Let her buck, buddy. No, and I appreciate hearing that. Like, I think there's a lot more I could say about relationship with alcohol. A lot of fun and a lot of bad. Yeah. Uh, the thought I want to end with on that particular topic is like, you and I both had somewhat problematic sophomore years and we are better for it. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want anyone to feel like, and you touched on this earlier, like this is not a demonized activity. Like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be it like very if, well can be and is for people, but certainly it should, should not be. But like if, if drunkenness happens, it's not something we have to hide from God and from those who care about us. Just like any other sin issue of humanity that exists. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the the best growth I've had as a person, not even just in this particular topic, came from me being open and honest with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, hey, this was happening. Like <clears throat> being not on leadership because I became drunk too much. I really didn't care. I was really numb to the ministry at the time. But then looking back on it now, it's like, that was a smart move. That was a smart move. I saw these people of Christ make. It was a hard move because they didn't have another worship leader like me. Yeah. They didn't like, I think on that situation now where they were trying to fight for my side when I got drunk. Because they couldn't afford to let you off. <laughs> that, yeah. This is going to be another topic, and I don't even know if we ever get to it. It may be in uh, the distant future, if ever. Sure, sure. Um, but my experience in college ministry has shaped a ton of how oh, I view ministry 
um, because of how poor of an experience I had with it. Mm. And so that's one of those things where like that part of me gets fired up. Um, which is kind of, kind of interesting is that's all to relate just back to your point. But also, as I say that, I want to disclaim that my qualms with ministry for the most part are just in the systems and the act of perpetuating a system that doesn't work. It's almost never with the people. Yeah. So like with the people that made those tough decisions in your case and in mine that I haven't talked about, I, I, I stand with them on that call. It's, I, I am better for it. I am in a better spot because of it. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I just don't want to be uh, casting a veiled dart at somebody. Sure. Cause that's not where my heart is. I don't want to sound like that. Totally. For sure. So scripture highlight that I want to end with first Corinthians eight, 12. I'm going to pull one up. I want to find it. it. Sorry. That's fine. First Corinthians eight, 12. Uh, when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. And it's this conviction that I've heard from preacher men before and preacher women that like, if it's a sin for, or if, if, if it feels not super great to you personally, and there's no explicit language in the Bible about it being sinful, it can still be missing the mark. It can still be sin. Like for me, drinking for a season, if I was even in the same room as alcohol, that'd be no go for me. Right. That would for sure, for sure be <laughs> feeling convicted and then not caring. That's, that's a, that's <laughs> to a, get me there. That's a dumb button chief. That's, that's, we're gone. Yeah. yeah. And so that was a sin for me. It's not necessarily anymore. Sure. That hard of a conviction. I've, I've, I've grown into a slightly stronger theological position, but this idea that like, if I know in the future and there's a younger believer next to me who has a hard time with alcohol, I'm not going to drink around them. Like I'm okay with that. And I'm not going to be like, well, you should be, you should be in the theologically stronger position already. I wanted to say that I actually forgot to say that, that, um, a bit of nuance that got lost on me until as we're kind of pre-podcasting this and now recording this, that the concept of theologically stronger position mm-hmm. is regarding, is not to say that the more comfortable you are with alcohol or the less comfortable you are with alcohol is a stronger or weaker position. That's Correct. not what you were saying. Yeah. And that's not what anybody who's really truly preaching the gospel is saying. Right. Um, but I just didn't want that to get lost in translation that the strongest position is where you're the closest to the Lord. Absolutely. And so if that is, I don't touch alcohol at all. And that's your relationship with God. Like my mom. Fantastic. Great. And I would argue she's, if you could quantify that closer to the Lord than I am for sure. <laughs> and, uh, but for me, that's not a stumbling block for my faith. So that's a theologically stronger position for me. Yeah. Now, now two years ago, I was in a theologically weaker position because it was, an, an obstacle for my faith with and walk with Lord. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, absolutely. I have scripture. Go for it. Okay. So this season has been brutal. Be brutal. Be brutal. Uh, in both school time and the whole year, really, just for a smattering of reasons. The last 18 months have been rough. The last six have been less rough, but still rough. And then now as I enter, this is now my second official week of work at Hope Covenant. I've hit a huge like wall of nothingness 
which is to say that like, oh, I don't have like crushing deadlines and papers to write and things that I've known how to do for the last 16 <laughs> years of academia. What the hell am I supposed to do with my day, man? I, right. I, whatever. And so there's like, there's nothing to do, but there's also like pressure to make money and to find an apartment to move to and yeah, to yeah, start yeah. paying off school. Like all these things oh of God, adulthood. Right. I just thought about paying off school. Right. Yeah. So like these, all these pressures. Right. And like, yes, the truth is, and the truth that I know in my head, but not as much except in my heart is that God's got it in control that he's there. Mm -hmm. But this verse is a verse that I've clung to when I hated everything, including God and myself. And then this is the thing that now has an entirely different light, having made it through more, more or less through that season. Uh, It is from James one and it goes, uh, I'm going to read the context. The verse that I kept on thinking to when I was like, this sucks. Everything sucks. Why am I doing it? It's verse 12, which I'll get to and say with the notable tone that you'll know which one it is. But here's the, here's the context. I'm reading out of the ESV. Um, term, <laughs> real quick, sorry. In Ukraine, there was a pastor who uh, people were not bringing their Bibles to church. And it's not a huge deal that they weren't. Yeah, but whatever. he wanted to make a joke out of it. And so he goes... Uh, brothers and sisters, turn to here in the Bible. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, turn to a Christian next to you and they'll be able to share <gasps> with you. That's some Ukrainian humor right there, dog. Dry as shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny as hell. Anyway, here we go. Uh, James 1, starting in verse 9. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. But also, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Here it is. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully fully grown, uh, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow for change. Uh, of his own will, he brought us forth by word of truth that we should be a kind of first first fruits of his creatures. That's a lot of context that the Holy Spirit just now told me to read. But the big verse that I hang on to is, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, verse 12a. Because mm-hmm. my life, I think, is safe to say, has had a solid serving of trial oh yeah more or less you know that's whatever and uh <laughs> um and it's like every time i'm like this sucks and like i doubt my faith and mm. we'll, we'll get to that in a future episode for sure but but this verse of steady is the man steady is the man who remains steadfast under trial um or sorry blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial yeah, yeah. um like that picture of just like taking it all on the shoulders and just this this trial raining down and and blesses a man who remains steadfast who's not fighting it who's not eliminating it who's not but just like sits there and just is and doesn't move and doesn't mm-hmm. give up that's an image of of the lord yeah and that's something that, like my dad is and was and that's something that a lot of the men that have poured into me are and have been absolutely and that's something that i feel called to that i can do and that i want to do and want to I want to be made an example by the Lord to the same way that he made examples out of the other men. And I want to, and not for my own gain or benefit, but I want to be able to do for other people what those men did for me 
with the Lord, to the Lord, or the Lord to them. Anyway, that's the scripture that was like, oh, yeah, I should talk about that when we do it. <laughs> so... Yeah, this has been an episode of Cellmates. Oh I had to wrap it up with the same kind of thematic ending because if you start a bit, you have to be able to do that. So, when it comes to outros, <laughs> this is how you do it. It's all you. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad.